Mary Oliver wrote, Are you breathing just a little and calling it a life? Hell yeah. <laughs> I think so many of us are. Welcome back to the Lay Your Head on My Pillow podcast. If all we do is breathe to the top of our inhale and all the way out, Mevlana Jalal Aldin Rumi. I've been all up in Rumi lately. I've just been all up in Rumi and letting Rumi be all up in me. Rumi's nuptial night, the night he was consummated to his God, the night of his death, is coming up. December 17th, 1273, or the lunar equivalent of that in the year 1273, Rumi passed. Send the chaperones away. Inside me, a hundred beings are putting their fingers to their lips and saying, That's enough for now. Silence is an ocean speech but a river when the ocean is searching for you don't walk to the river of language listen instead to the ocean and bring your talking talky business to an end traditional words are just babbling and in that presence babbling is a substitute for sight when you sit down beside your beloved send the chaperones away the old women who brought you two together when you are mature and with your love, the love letters and matchmakers seem irritating. You might read those letters, but only to teach beginners about love. One who sees grows silent. When you're with one of those, be still and quiet unless he asks you to talk. Then draw the words out as I do this poem with Hassam, the radiance of God. I try to stop talking, but he makes me continue. When I remember your love, I weep. And when I hear people talking of you, something in my chest, where nothing much happens now, moves as I in sleep. All our lives we've looked into each other's faces. That was the case today, too. How do we keep our love secret? We speak from brow to brow and here with our eyes. I'm focusing on Rumi for many reasons. I find myself these days somewhat confused in emotions of love and other strong emotions. And even in grief, it is love behind it. Even in sorrow, it is love behind it and in joy as well, you know. So I turn, I've been turning to Rumi. Most of the translations of Rumi in the United States, the best-selling ones certainly, are by a white man named Coleman Barks. Coleman does not speak Farsi, Pashto. He, he speaks none of the languages in relation to that which Rumi wrote in that People are able to be experts in their field when it comes to us without knowing our languages. Is one of the ongoing symptoms of domination and power imbalances. For example, I studied in a uh, top cinema studies program in the world at NYU, Tisch School of the Arts. There, the head of the department uh, was also teaching Indian cinema. He was teaching based off captions. If you know anything about Indian cinema, you know that early translations 
like early captions on Indian films, such as Gurudat films, Piyasa, were not great. They got the job done, but they weren't striving f- to approximate the poetic script. He would have never gotten away with that if it was, you know, French cinema, Russian cinema, German cinema. In all of those categories, there's no way to be an expert in those fields unless you also speak that language. A quick Google Scholar search will show a number of scholarly peer-reviewed articles critiquing Coleman Barks, quote, appropriative translations as recent as winter of 2023, which is <laughs> like yesterday, out of Johns Hopkins University Press. Rumi, in one of the verses in this book, writes about how so often the interpreter will mistake himself or herself for the creator. And, you know, that's for sure what's going on here. Clearly this man is lost in his own sauce. This is all to say that even in an imperfect translation, Rumi's poetry is so good. It's just to die for, to live for, everything in between. And one of the things that I loved learning about Rumi, gamble everything for love on gambling. To a frog that's never left his pond, the ocean seems like a gamble. Look what he's giving up, security, mastery of his world, recognition. The ocean frog just shakes his head at the river frog. The ocean frog just shakes his head at the pond frog. I can't really explain what it's like where I live, he says, but someday I'll take you there. If you want what visible reality can give, you are an employee. If you want the unseen world, you are not living in your truth. Both wishes are foolish, but you'll be forgiven for forgetting that what you really want is love's confusing joy. Gamble everything for love if you are a true human being. If not, leave this gathering. Half-heartedness doesn't reach into majesty. You set out to find God. But then, then you keep stopping for long periods at mean-spirited roadhouses along the way. In a boat down a fast-running creek, it feels like trees on the bank are rushing by. What seems to be changing all around us is rather the speed of our craft leaving this world. Rainier Maria Rilke, the great spiritual poet of the century, when he saw the dervishes in Cairo in 1910, said the turning of the whirling dervishes was a form of kneeling. Quote, December 17th is celebrated each year as Rumi's wedding night, the night he died in 1273 and reached full union. Who gave this soul to me, the one who hooded my eyes like a falcon's, who soon will set me loose to hunt? <laughs> Flowers open every night across the sky, breathing peace and sudden flame catching. <laughs> Whoa, Rumi is, ah, uh, let's see. A king inside who listens. There are many people with their eyes open whose hearts are shut. What do they see? Matter. But someone whose love is alert, even if the eyes go to sleep, he or she will be waking up thousands of others. If you are not one of those light-filled lovers, restrain your desire body's intensity. 
put limits on how much you eat and how long you lie down. But if you are awake here in the chest, sleep sound and long. Your spirit will be out roaming and working even on the seventh level. Muhammad says, I close my eyes and rest and sleep, but my lover never needs to rest. The guard at the gate drowses, the king stays awake. You have a king inside who listens for what delights the soul. That king's wakefulness cannot be described in a poem. Oh my gosh. A wished for song. Your song, a wished for song. Go through the ear to the center where sky is, where wind, where silent knowing. Put seeds and cover them. Blades will sprout where you do your work. Real value comes with madness. Whoever finds love beneath hurt and grief disappears into emptiness with a thousand new disguises. Another cool thing that I learned about Rumi, so Rumi's father was a theologian and jurist, so basically like a lawyer type, and a mystic. So he has a collection called Marif. Some conventional scholars found Rumi's father's writings scandalous because he had a startling sensual freedom when he would talk about his devotion or his union with God. And I just can relate to that. Going to be honest, past couple of days I've been, uh, tears have come to me. I don't take it for granted when they do because I've gone for long periods of my life without crying. But I'm able to cry now. And it's not easy. I find I need a lot of support from myself in order to cry. To well over with tears. I need space. I need childcare. I need time, privacy to connect with the oneness that my tears bring me to. When I need to cry and I don't cry, I'm so sharp-edged. I'm all thorns and no roses, you know what I mean? But when I cry, I'm the roses and the dew on the roses. And the thorns are there too, but they're not the main point. They're not the main story. But if I need to cry and I don't, the thorns become the only story, you know? I have been working on some songs Singing is like crying in public. You can cry from many emotions, but to do so in public feels like so much, and yet it's like such a relief. And I look forward to sharing more of my songs in public because I need to cry more, you know. And I need to cry in such a way that it helps other people to cry too. So growing up, going through a lot of hardship and trauma. I consumed these books about young people suffering terribly from sexual violence and other kinds of violence in a way that was so trapped. You know, The Diary of Anne Frank or Flowers in the Attic, Sybil, Go Ask Alice, and I needed those books very much. And then at some point I got into like a Ray Bradbury phase. And then I got into a Stephen King phase with all the horrors. I remembered this sort of limerick from Stephen King's book, It. 
he thrusts his fists against the post and still insists he sees the ghost. And it's one of those like red leather, yellow leather, you know, how much wood could a wood chuck chuck if a wood could chuck could chuck wood. That kind of thing where it helps people to enunciate or cures various speech ailments. The full version is amidst the mist and coldest frost, with stoutest wrists and loudest boasts, he thrusts his fists against the post and still insists he sees the ghost. And I remix that in honor of Rumi and his father and all the bold scholars and mystics. He thrusts his hips against her throat and still insists he sees her most. Amidst her fists and coldest thoughts, her binded wrists and blindest hopes, he thrusts his hips against her throat and still insists he sees her most. Well, I hope that you're able to get out some tears and I'll see you on the next episode. Lay Your Head on My Pillow, a podcast by myself, author, Dr. Rupa Bala Singh, former law professor and poet. This episode has been in honor of Rumi and all the mystics and poets, especially thinking of him for the anniversary of the night that he was able to consummate his union with the beloved.